Welcome back to another edition of the Boilers Extra podcast uh, here on jconline.com. Mike Carmen, uh, pleased to be joined by Jamarcus Shepard, receivers coach, co-offensive coordinator, uh, soothsayer of all things. Did I have, have I, did I miss did I miss a title there in, in any way? Whatever they ask me to do, that's what I do. <laughs> Whatever the Boilermakers need, I'll do it. Here we go. Uh, Jamarcus is uh, energetic, to say, to say the least, if you've ever been out to a practice or uh, seen him in a game. Uh, he's also very vocal. Uh, so if you live across the street from the uh, the Bimal uh, practice facility, you usually hear him uh, once in a while. And he no likes doubt. to also get in the business of the defensive backs when his offensive guys are, are, are going on those one-on-one drills. Often, uh, often, <laughs> often going deep on them, often. <laughs> and to me, when we get a chance to watch practice, that is one of the favorite things that I enjoy watching is the one-on-one drills with the receivers and the defensive backs. And I, I really, you know, and you guys do that every single day. And okay. I, and I, you do see payoff from that, don't you? When you get into games, especially late in the season, that all that time uh, really does pay off, doesn't it? Well, you know what? All these pretty little drills you see people posting online, they look so beautiful running around that stationary cone or that stationary flag sitting out there. But, you know, once you actually have a defender in front of you, they're not just going to stand right there stationary. So for us, I mean, it's it's the most important part of of, of playing the position. You, you have to go out there and compete against the defensive backs. And you heard me say that word, compete. I mean, it, it is something that should be a part of your life in all things. I mean, you'll be competing for jobs. Um, my young men, I tell them they'll be competing to, you know, marry beautiful women. Um, we're going to compete in everything. So, you know, I tell them I, I hope that one day you bring back your your wife and uh, I get a chance to meet her. And um, you, you've done a great job in competing to be the best father and the best husband uh, amongst the group. So it's a, it's an everyday competition. Most of us marry up, right? <laughs> no, Isn't no, that no. right? I'll kick our coverage. Huh? <laughs> All right, let's start with uh, you got spring football starting next week. Yep. Uh, your receivers group, uh, you got you got about eight guys that you're going to be looking at and, and, and dealing with. Obviously, Rondell is the is the the centerpiece of what you got coming back. But just kind of overall, what what do you need to see out of this group during these 15 practices? Uh, you know, Jared Sparks is one of those ones who's really during this winter months he's had a tremendous and strong winter workouts and as far as him being on the field and in the weight room and his body looks awesome uh, it's still always weird to me when we're talking about these guys bodies but it looks <laughs> it looks awesome and um but i need him to take the next step Really in games. I mean, I, yeah, I I expect that out here at practice, he's going to come out here and perform really well in practice. So that's kind of how – that's my expectation of him. So I'm not as concerned about that. I'm talking about carryover into games. So we'll be really focused a lot on how he performs in our scrimmages this, this spring. And then Coach Brown's going to have a few, you know, more live sessions where, where we're allowed to have live sessions. So um, those are the moments – where I'm going to really focus my attention on grading him and knowing how he's going out there and performing in those in those situations. You know, Ahmad Anderson is another one who this spring. I mean, I mean, so far he's he's 
been in the weight room, one of the top guys. I mean, uh, he may not be the strongest young man in the group, but he is working at a level that really I haven't seen many guys work at um, to this point being here at Purdue. So I'm, I'm really anxious to see um, how that translates onto, onto the field, and, and he'll have a chance to be in that one-two group um, this spring. So um, he's going to get a lot of balls thrown his way. And I think our guys, our quarterbacks, have a lot of confidence in him, so they're going to want to throw it up to him. Um, he did some really good things in our bowl practices, and, and that uh, is carrying over to right now. So I think he's in a good place. Obviously, Jackson Anthrop, he's really the rock of the group. Um, you know, unfortunately, but fortunately, you know, with Rondell's you know emergence here, you know, it's kind of you know put him in a position where he's got to find his his way into the lineup and and go in there and compete for it. He's he's working on the outside some, working on the inside some. He's kind of doing everything. I mean, that's just the type of guy he is. That's the type of family he comes from. So um, he's going to do whatever he has to do to make himself available for for the games. You know, Jordan Bonner and Corey Taylor, those are the young ones that we are most going to be critical of this this spring. Um, They've been here for, you know, six months now. They, they they both bring something different, a different element to 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 the team. Uh, obviously, with Corey's height and his uh, you know ability to catch the ball in different areas with catch radius and Jordan Bonner's speed and strength, um, we're gonna see how those translate. So honestly, there's a lot of unknowns at that receiver position. You, you really only got Rondell and Sparks and Anthro coming back, who've actually caught passes in games. A lot of unknowns, so uh, hopefully by the end of this spring we'll have some knowns. Just with Jared, I mean, is it, you know, he, he's made the transition from quarterback to, to receiver. Uh, as you said, it really hasn't happened in the game situation. I mean, is that just part of what that transition he, he's had to make, that it's just maybe, has it taken a little bit longer than, than what, what you thought it would take? Well, I think there's a little dude named Rondell Moore who probably <laughs> took away from a few of those opportunities. But, uh, you know, he started the first game of the year all strong. You know, I think he caught six passes right. in the first game against Northwestern. Um, he started real strong and then, you know, of course, had some opportunities there to, you know, ice the game against Eastern Michigan and against uh, Missouri, which, you know, all of you guys know right. the result of what that was. Okay. <laughs> Not that I'm still bitter about it, but just just slightly. Um, but still a catch in your mind, still, right? Still, still, Definitely, definitely. But I tell him all the time, it's not a catch on paper, so it doesn't count. But, um, no, I think that, you know, it, with, when, when Rondell merged, you know, at that point in time, it, it, you know, you know, Sparks kind of took a little bit of a backseat, especially when Terry Wright, you know, emerged a little bit more at the end of the at the end of the year and the second half of the season. So, um, you know, he's always been battling, you know, little nicks and stuff like that. So, I think we're trying our best to get that all under control, um, making sure he's got great mobility in his ankles and mm-hmm. stuff like that to to have him ready to rock and roll. His 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 ability to compete is really allows him to be on the field uh, as often as you guys see him on the field. He will compete, scratch, claw to the death, and um, that's what allows him. He's still polishing himself up at the receiver position, um, and uh, you know just techniques and breaks and releases at the line of scrimmage. You know he's he's still getting more polished at that stuff, but uh, you know. You know, you got guys coming in here who've been playing receiver position for 
10 years, you know, and Sparks has been dropped back instead of running forward for 10 years prior to getting here. So, you know, it, it, it takes some time and it's not going to happen overnight. And I didn't expect it to happen overnight. I expected a little bit more this year and I expect even more coming up this next year. Uh, so with Rondell, you've had a chance to really digest his, his freshman season. I don't know how much you go back and look at all his cut-ups and, and things like that, but when you when you evaluate what he did that first year, what what's the what's the one or two words that come to mind of what he what he accomplished? Well, the first thing we evaluated is we went back and evaluated his drops. Um, we took a look at some of those clips. He hated it, um, <laughs> but at the same time he was learning from it, you know. Right. And um, but uh, trying to figure out where they came from. Uh, body positioning with some of it, um, you know, catching with his hands and, uh, you know, how can we clean that up so that next year we don't we don't have as many of those? I think he told me something like he had maybe two or three drops in high school or something like that. So I told him we were past that already. So, you know, I got to keep him humble, you know. No, he, he, he keeps himself humble. I, that's, 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 that's a lie right there. No, he keeps himself humble. But, um, you know, it, it was just impressive how he – he really handled everything that was being thrown at him this year. We threw a lot of plays at him and uh, a lot of new concepts, stuff that we probably hadn't even done at at other places that we've been. Um, and even in the years that we – the year before being here at Purdue, uh, we threw a lot at him. And, and he just absorbed it like uh, – I mean, he was a sponge. And, and none of the – accolades and the 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 writing and and things being said about the young man ever he never showed a chink in his armor he just consistently came to work every day and and did not bat an eye so that to me was the most impressive thing you know when when watching the body of work obviously on the field it was it was he, he did some really special things but we're really concerned. Uh, we're really concerning ourselves with how we can maximize every opportunity next year. I mean, we're we're, we're trying to maximize every single opportunity um, because he knows that not only do we have some guys on the team now who are going to be gunning for him, we got some guys coming in who are going to be gunning for him, and there's going to be teams across the country who are playing this year who are going to be gunning for him. So, you know, he has to maximize every opportunity this year. Well, in last uh, last fall uh, going into the bowl game, you know, you got the questions like, well, okay, what does he need to do to improve? What's the next step for him? He he mentioned blocking, being able to become a better blocking, and I'm sure there will be some focus in the spring. But how does he elevate his game? Because you are bringing in other guys, so there's going to be opportunities for other guys. He may not catch as many balls as he did one year. He might have a better offense, but he may not catch as many balls. But what does he have to do? What's his next step in his evolution to, to becoming the, the type of player that he wants to be? Uh, I think some of it is uh, defensive recognition. Um, and and I think it was kind of a crash course in it at times because some teams did some things differently this year to try to, um, to, to, try to defend him. And we 
throughout the course of some of these games, we had to, you know, I had to show them on the sideline, hey, this is how you're going to have to do this in order to be able to defeat this coverage or the safety and and nickel or double teaming you. You gotta you gotta work at it this way to be able to have some success. So I think some some of that is watching some of those cutups this year of defensive uh, ways of competing against him, and then also really putting a lot of emphasis on watching some of these NFL receivers, um, guys like Tyreek Hill, um, um, a man for the New England Patriots who just won an MVP, <laughs> Edelman. Um, so watching some film of him and and, and what he did to, to really kind of get a grasp of what they're doing at the next level so that he can start incorporating some of those things into his game right now. So I think that's what's going to help him get better and, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, Rondell's pretty literal, you know, in terms of what you want from him. And, you know, he caught 114 passes this year, did a pretty good job. There is a little – I tell guys all the time, you earn the right to be treated differently. So he's he, he gets a little more leadway now in how he runs some of his routes so that we can make sure that he's maximizing his efficiency in and out of breaks and so on and so, so forth. You, don't, you won't have David Blau, uh, David Blau as your quarterback. You have Sindelar, which you know he has a Fired lot of, has a lot of experience. But how does the passing game change in some ways with Sindelar now as your your number one quarterback, and with not only Rondell coming back, the receivers you have coming back, but with the guys that you have coming in that you're expecting to to get on the field? Uh, you know, the number one thing that comes to mind with Elijah is is velocity. You know, and uh, he he brings uh, a a a speed to the football that is be a lot different than what it was with David. So I'm trying to push that idea with our guys now. Velocity. So everything's about speed, fast tempo, and and really a lot of it is off the line of scrimmage. I mean, from the line of scrimmage, you got to get there faster because you got to get your head turned around faster. Like. On, on this route, this comeback route, you got to get there faster now because when you get your head around, that ball is coming out with some velocity. You need more time to be able to judge where the ball is located to be able to make those catches. So we're, I'm putting a lot of emphasis with the receiving core about velocity. And um, I think that, you know, Elijah has a lot of confidence in his arm and there's some tighter windows that he's going to be willing to release the ball in and and give our guys opportunities to make those receptions. So, you know, I, I've impressed upon them that everyone's a viable option, no matter what the defense is, okay? Everyone's a viable option every single play because you, know, you may think you're covered, but he's like, no, I can fit that in there. I'm, I'm, I can get that, get that to this guy. So you need to be prepared on every single play. So I think that's those are really the main things that are really brought to mind when thinking about Elijah and these new guys. But I think he's also excited too. Elijah, you know, we got a few – uh, you know, it's like Christmas, you know, any new toys you want to open up, you know, it's like you got the toys right now. So we got them on signing day and like you can't, you're not allowed to open them. It's like, oh, it's so frustrating. Everybody's like, I want to play. I go get the batteries. Let's, let's go. Let's go put the batteries in the toys so we can play. So right now we're just waiting for those new toys to get here so we can see what they what they do. There was an instance in the bowl practices last year where I was standing on the sideline. And Elijah was a quarterback, and he was he, he threw an out route to it was Keyron Gatlett, uh-huh. and Keyron had just come out of his break, 
and the ball was like right there at his face mask. And he and he, and he made the catch, but he he muttered like, "Man, that ball got there." He, he had uh-huh. some uh, he had some other words in it. He goes, <laughs> he goes, "Man, that ball got there quick." I, I mean, I could just I could just hear him because he was kind of right by me. But that that showed me that I mean, Sindelar last uh, last winter or last fall had a really live arm. And I assume that has continued to some degree here in the uh, in the winter workouts. Uh, you know, um, some quarterbacks throw with what I say a parabola. You know, yeah. okay. I don't want to act like I'm too smart, but <laughs> it has a hump in it. You know, in the, in the throw. You know, his is ex- exactly linear. I mean, right. his balls are extremely linear. They 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 barely come off the ground. Like sometimes, I mean, he's throwing it. And it comes at the level that he releases it. That's the level the ball stays at the entire time until it gets to the target. So it, that means it's going to get there faster. Um, so a lot of times we're working on, hey, I want you to be able to learn how to catch balls when you haven't seen it thrown out of the quarterback's hand because right. he's going to release it sometimes. And by the time you get your head around, it's already going to be in its trajectory coming towards you. So you got to be able to judge that ball quicker. It's, it's velocity. Um, you know, the level of the ball, how, how high it is, how low it may be. Uh, you got to judge it without seeing it come out of his hand. So um, I, I, I'm excited about it. Actually. Um, I think that he's going to, he's going to make, my guys better, I think, uh, and, and and it's not just about his throwing ability. I mean, he is a phenomenal person. I mean, it's it's unreal that at Purdue we we really got to have David Blau, and then we get Elijah. <laughs> like most programs don't get lucky to have these types of guys. I mean, I saw him at church the other day. I saw Elijah at church the other day. I mean, he's just he's just full of just life and just understanding you know and and it's always funny because you know you talk about church and you talk about these guys being good people and it's like you know they're not squares either like they're actually guys you can hang out with you know me and Blau playing some spades and stuff like that you know we were on the same team we won okay and those guys that we beat you know who you are um but you know they're 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 guys that you you can hang out with and they understand what's going on in the rest of the world um Kind of, I'm a, this probably be a. Uh, don't mean to throw you off guard, but how many times was Rondell Moore double teamed last year from a percentage standpoint that you could? What would be your best guess, or do you know, like how many times he was double teamed? No, I don't have an actual number. Now that you say that, I'm gonna have to get that number now. Okay, somebody else is gonna ask me. And now that I said that, someone definitely is gonna ask me. <laughs> but um, you know, there were some games like. Uh, sometimes in the Ohio State game, he was getting double teamed. Um, There's uh, the Nebraska game. It was a high percentage of double teams, you know. And sometimes the way that they're oh, in the Boston College game, you know, he was getting double teamed often. But they're trying to disguise it in how they're aligning the nickel and aligning the safety. Okay, and the nickel is playing, you know, inside leverage of them. The safety's playing outside leverage of them. So they're trying to take away either direction that right. he goes. So, um, and you know, that that's a big part of it. We we had to learn how to really work against that and still make sure he was a viable option to our team right uh the reason i bring that up because of some of the guys you have bring coming in this year and the guys you have coming back that percentage has to drop i would think based on 
one particular player, David Bell, uh, who you know has signed and will be here in the summer, and then will be a big part of what you guys do <laughs> in, in, in the offense. And you know, I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you since all that has ha- has happened. Just, but what did it mean for you? You spent a lot of time recruiting David, laying that foundation. But it's what it mean for you. What does it mean for this program to have a talent like David Bell on top of having a talent like Rondo Moore in this program? Well, you know, it, first of all, it was a, it's it's a school that I recruit and that I've had a tremendous amount of respect for in Warren Central um, at the time. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that, but I just said that. But um, but I, I I had a lot of respect for their program growing up here in state. Um, he was the top receiver in the state, and then there were some other guys um, that were highly, they were they were very coveted guys. You know, one kid out of my hometown that ended up going to Ohio State, another kid who ended up going to Northwestern, and another guy that ended up going to Duke. So, you know, it was, I, I won't lie to you, it was a little nerve-wracking, to be quite honest about it, with having four what I felt like were legitimate receivers in the state and losing out on three of them in the process and to the point where, you know, I felt so comfortable with those guys that I felt like we were going to get them. And then I felt that comfortable with David throughout the process that I'm like, hold up, I didn't get any of those three. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get David to come to school here. So it was very nerve-wracking in that sense, but it means a ton to me that this young man who has been nothing less than spectacular throughout his entire career trust me with uh pushing him to the next level you know and i don't i don't take that responsibility lightly i uh, i look forward to the challenge of of making him a better football player when he gets here he's he's in a similar mold as rondell in that he's a phenomenal person he's a great person you know he's got great personality um he he has tremendous respect for other people, their time, um, and, and a lot of that you know stems from you know obviously um, his mother, uh, Miss Kareem Butler. She's tremendous, and obviously and and I cannot forget forget his grandmother and grandfather. Like it, it is a very tight knit family, and that family has entrusted me with this young man and you know I've told him all along you know that's the best story to have you know when I was recruiting him you know a young man who from the state um, comes to the in-state school and takes the in-state school back to glory and obviously you know his relationship with Rondell helped in the process but knowing that there was already someone else here who who has trusted us and we've we've delivered so far on that promise to him um, I just look forward to doing the same thing for David. So what was that recruiting process like getting him here or at least laying the foundation for him to be here? I mean, is that is it different than maybe some other guys where there's similarities with Rondell's recruiting process with David? I think David just felt comfortable with my personality. Um, that was a big part of it. Um, probably the biggest part of it was 
the head coach's personality and him making that decision to stay here at Purdue rather than going to a place. I mean, you talk about man of integrity with that decision. I mean, come on, guys. Like, if you guys, if people in Purdue Nation, hey, Boilermaker Nation, if you guys don't love Jeff Brown, I mean, absolutely love him, have a place in your heart for him by now, then you guys are, you need to get on board quickly. Um, but, I mean, that decision obviously was strong for every one of our recruits. And um, I, I, I want, if I was being honest with you, David had pretty much made the decision he was going to come here um, back in in November sometime. And, um, you know, he was on, on his visit and he kind of told the guys, I'm coming and all that good stuff. So it was, it was good to kind of have that already in place. But I think the main thing in his recruiting process is I'm really close with his coaches all of our staffs close with all those coaches they uh there's a young man alfred armor on our team currently from his high school uh everything points in the direction that purdue is making uh the guys in our state a a priority and and he felt that you know and george Karloftis choosing to come to purdue and you know he he just felt really comfortable and of all things, and I just said a lot of stuff that was important. Oh, this is the biggest thing. This is the biggest thing. This is the biggest thing. He he wanted to be close to his family. Right. Um, he wanted to, his grandmother and mom and everybody to be a part of it all. You know, and like he said, and we said it. We probably put it in his head, but you know, they've been a part of all this all throughout this process. You know, are you really going to take all that away from them now and not let them be a part of it? I mean, going all the way over to. College Station, or if I'm you know, <laughs> going all the way across the country, nah, that's not. I don't think Grandma can get all the way over there too often. Okay, she can come right up the road uh, and come here to Purdue. All right, you may not know the answer to this question, but David Bell wears number four. Rondo Moore wears number four. Who wears? Who gets number four next year? So, I do know the answer to that question. Uh, I think I can say this. He, uh, you know, I talked to Rondell because, you know, when he first got here or when he was getting recruited, he wanted to wear number one. Um, And so, obviously, with DJ Knox wearing number one, I mean, he couldn't wear number one. So, I said, well, you guys will have to split time on the field. You get the jersey, and then he gets the jersey. And and guess what? You you get to play half the game. He gets to play half the game. And he's like, nah, I don't want to do that. So, uh, he, he he said, I'll go with four. And then, uh, you know, after the season was over with, I talked to him and said, hey, man, you want to switch over to number one or what? And he's like, no, nah, I want to stay in number four. So I said, all right, okay, well, that's – but, you know, we got – we really kind of got lucky because <laughs> David, you know, he had a friend pass away. Um, and uh, so he wanted to change his number. Um, so a friend of his passed away. So uh, he's going to be wearing number three next year. And so – um, he he wanted to uh, pay homage to a friend of his, so he's going to wear number three in college. Right, well, three and four on the field at there the same go. time. So there who's you. number one? Who gets number one? I'll let you guys find <laughs> out when it comes out. <laughs> Is this something we will see in the spring? No. Okay. You will not see it okay. in the spring. You will not see it till yeah. fall camp starts. All right. Yep. Yep. All right. So with David. You know, you're you're expecting a similar impact, David, that Rondell has had this year, and I think everybody expects David to get on the field, assuming he does all the right things. So, with David on the field, with Rondell on the field, how does that 
open up things offensively for this team? I think it gives us more options. Um, you know, David is a kid who, you know, although he's taller and you know a little bit more, you know, he's a strong kid too. Um, he's pretty, he's savvy. He he understands the field very well. You know, he's been playing on the varsity since his freshman year of high school. I mean, he knows football. He, I mean, talking to the kid and teaching him the offense is by far the easiest I've ever had. Like trying to teach somebody what we're doing in the offense and him saying, oh, well, we're doing this because of this in the defense. And like, he, he's been taught very well. So kudos to Coach West and their staff over there. They, they've done a great job with them. And uh, but he certainly he's going to bring an element of big play capability, being able to go up and catch balls in between defenders. There's no ball on the field that I don't think that he thinks he can get to. So, um, you know, I think that obviously with having him on the field uh, and him competing with some of these other guys like uh, obviously Sparks and Ahmad um, and then Milton Wright being put into the mix T.J. Sheffield, I mean, he was sending me videos of him benching 315 pounds and squatting 400-some pounds, you know, and power cleaning 255 or whatnot. I mean, he's a strong kid who's already very savvy at the position as well. And then Mershon Rice, I mean, this dude's a, a, a workhorse. I mean, he is going to be the workhorse of the group. Like, he can – I mean – he puts in work. I mean, and so I, I just I just love the the competitive environment that we're gonna have in the group. It's gonna be very competitive and we're pretty young. Um but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You know, to be able to grind it out together and uh push push each other, you know, through this process, it'll 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 be important and and again that's why I think we're seeing the dividends that we're seeing already in the spring, you know. Sparks and Ahmad and Jordan and Corey, they all know that those guys are coming, and they're not coming here to to sit down and just watch you the whole time. They're coming to play. And um, so, you know, you better bring your A game so that you can try to beat them out. Is is that the common theme with the guys that you have coming in next in the summer and the fall with the four that you talked about, just maybe the work ethic that they've had, and does that tie them together, or is there something else that kind of ties them together? No question. That is the number one quality amongst all four of these young men that I see. They are workers. Like, they are not talk, 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 talk guys. They're not going to, you know, have all this. Uh, They are guys that come in every day, and their mission is to be very savvy but disrespectful and how they play the game against our defensive backs. And I love it. I, I'm excited about it. And they may not even say a word about it, okay? But they're going to come in and they're going to try to punish guys every single play. And then after practice is over with, phenomenal guys. Just, just, just great guys, you know, guys that just our fan base will love to be around. Um, just, I just want to touch on recruiting a little bit in a general sense that – just the success that you guys have had the first two years, the doors that now are getting open for you guys. I mean, I know that you're still emphasizing in-state, Midwest, you know, 300-mile radius type of recruiting, but are the doors, are they being flung wide open now based on a lot of factors, the success type of offense you run, the type of kids that you brought in? I mean, how are are things from a reception recruiting standpoint going uh, for this program now? 
I, I think we've definitely opened the eyes to a lot of a lot of these young men as to what Purdue can be. But I also think that they recognize that, you know, especially with that game against Auburn, um, um, losing to Eastern Michigan this year, you know, and and uh, they they recognize that you know, that there's still opportunity here to come in and have an impact right away. Um, that's that's one of the things, you know. Yes, they, they I think all these young men say, okay, good coaches. Um, they, they've done a really good job as coaching the guys. Um, but they're probably still missing a few little key pieces to really push it to the next level. And they can come here and be that difference maker. And I think that's that's probably the number one thing I'm seeing from from these guys in recruiting. So, um, no, I I wouldn't say the door's flung wide open. Okay, <laughs> that, that, that's that's a little bit. I mean, the only place that it's wide open is at Alabama. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when they offer somebody, then it's like, all right, here we go. So, um, but here right now, I think that we are in a good place where we're getting the guys that fit us, mm-hmm. and that's that's what we want. We want the guys that fit Purdue, and the guys that the fan base, the president of the university, our athletic director, um, our head coach. Uh, they're going to be proud because those guys are all at the forefront of uh, and on the front lines in our media and our branding and what the unit and, and it fits right in mo in, in in line with what this university is and will always be and especially with the academics and the type of people that are, that come out of here. So we're getting our fair share of those kids. Okay, mm-hmm. we're competing with the the programs around the country that are in that same model. One more, and I'll let you get out of here, but you touched on a little bit, is the Auburn game. And from a coaching staff perspective, how do you, how have you guys handled that loss? I mean, was it something that was addressed and you guys don't really talk about it anymore, or does it need to be a reminder in some regards of how that season finished? And, you know, when we're out here at spring practice over the next four or five weeks, is it something that will get brought up maybe occasionally? Well, the head coach addressed it right away, obviously, um, with our entire staff and, um, you know, brought to light some things that, you know, it's a hard pill to swallow, to be quite honest about it. Um, it's still it's burning inside of me. I've made the white out to watch it multiple times already. So they've seen the game multiple times. And, you know, bowl game, you normally only watch that once, maybe twice, and then you kind of move on from it with your guys. And no, uh, we've seen it more than that already. Um, so, no, uh, you want to flush it and move on and because we've tried to tell them to do that in, in every play, you know, let alone every game. But you're, it's always said you're only as good as your last one, and that was the last one. So I think it's at least I know for sure it's motivating our coaches right now to find better ways of doing things, more innovative ways to do things. And I already feel like we're pretty innovative. No, we're, we're, we're pushing the envelope to try to find even more um, to, to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And uh, if I can say this, you know, I do think there was a little piece of it kind of caught the perfect storm, you know, with – few injuries there and stuff like that on defense and 
and whatnot. So that it kind of it made it a little bit tougher than than it, maybe it would have been. But you know, we're not really a group that's into making excuses. I mean, now we have to move forward and see to make sure that if we do have an injury or we do have this happening, then we have to be able to find a way to put our guys in the best way and the best position to be successful, irregardless of that. So I think we're finding that, and, uh, and some of that hopefully will be alleviating in recruiting. So, Well, I appreciate your time, Jamarcus. Uh, thank you for, for taking uh, time out of your day to, to talk with me and talk on the podcast about a lot of different subjects. And uh, best of luck in spring. We'll be out there watching and uh, seeing what transpires with the, those receivers and see how – Many jabs you get in at the defense at the at the, at the defensive backs. Well, we're probably gonna have a new gonna have a new DB coach out there, so we'll see how he handles it. Right. I look forward to it. All right. Well, thanks again. Thanks for joining us on the the Boilers Extra podcast, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you later.